Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. I'm glad to see you here. Um, So much is going on. Um, We are now available wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you're unwillingly listening on some sort of platform you don't like, go to a platform you do like, and we'll be there. And we're on YouTube, so... Sometimes people listen to podcasts on YouTube, we found out, from Kurt. He might be the only one, but <laughs> but there you go. you got options, lots of options, and that's great because that's what we want to do. And I want to thank Caleb for making that all possible. So thank Caleb for your listening pleasure. Um. Yeah, so there's that happening. We've got a new Revolution Instagram, which is Revolution MN. And uh, follow us on there and tell your friends about it. Um, my divorce was final on Friday, the 14th. And because the state of Minnesota, when you have children, you have to go in front of a judge. And so we did that, and uh, but we had a really nice moment afterwards um, that we I think we both desperately needed um, to be really transparent and uh, vulnerable, and that was nice. And we just had breakfast all together here for Father's Day this morning, and um, it was nice. My kids wrote me some of the cutest cards ever, and um, my ex-wife wrote me a card that made me cry. And um, so, you know, this co-parenting thing looks like there's maybe some promise. So today I was going to talk about fathers, but I've decided not to. Um, Today I want to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount And I'll explain why in a few minutes. Um, But it's in Matthew 5. And I'm going to start with Matthew 5, 1, um, and go from there. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I hope that one's true. Sometimes it seems like it might not be. Um, blessed are the pure of heart, in heart, for they will see God. I should work on my purity skills because I haven't seen her yet. See what I did there? Um, them, they, um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, that one I can agree with. Um, 
I'll go on. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kind of evils against you falsely on your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lamp stand, and it gives it light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see your God, so you good works and given glory to your Father in heaven. Now it's funny because there's some some inconsistencies here because it also talks about not doing doing good works in private and praying in private and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, don't toot your horn when you give to the poor. Um, I like to point these things out because I think it's important to realize that there's always some contradictions to deal with. Um, but let's look at the good things for a minute. Jesus is saying some pretty radical stuff here. And um, blessed, I think this blessed are the poor of spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John Caputo in his book, uh, Hoping Against Hope, talked about, uh, used Mother Teresa as one example. He had a few examples, but Mother Teresa would be the most famous. And saying when she doubted, when she felt that there was no God, she didn't just retire. She kept doing her work. And he says that this is truly the moment when she was the kingdom of God. When there was no idea of reward or I'm going to get heaven or I'm going to get, you know, something, jewels in my crown, you know, she kept doing it. This was the purest form of the kingdom of God. Is when we do things without the ideas of rewards. And um, that really blew me away. Because um, honestly, there's a lot of times I sit right up here and I don't know if there's a God or not. You know, and I don't compare myself to Mother Teresa by any means. I'm a speaker. I'm not a you know, I, I I try to do some social justice work, but, you know, I'm not really great at it. Um, I have been in the past, but, you know, speaking up for the marginalized, but then eventually the marginalized has need to have their own voice. And you have to say, okay, the straight white male doesn't have to sit up here and <laughs> stand up and, 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 and speak anymore. It's time to give room for other people to speak now. You know, you got to know when it's time to to step back, you know. Yeah, you know, there's a time to, you know, one of the great things is when we went, when I was with Soul Force, which is a LGBTQ rights group, um, we met with a big mega church in Chicago. And uh, there was a family there who had attended their church and their daughter had committed suicide. 
and this was, oh God, 10 years ago maybe, um, maybe 11. Um, but it was interesting because you could see the pain that had been caused by, uh, the pain that so many of my LGBTQ friends had been under and the oppression that there were certain moments where they didn't feel like they could even speak out in anger because they felt like their voices were silenced. And so I was able to just go. I said, let me be the angry one. You know, you you guys show the love and grace. I'm going to bring the heat. And I was able to do that. And that was a great part to play. It's, it, it, it's good to know when it's time to speak and when it's time to shut up, you know. So I've been able to be quiet a lot more lately, but, um, but I don't really want to shut up. I got a little bit too much uh, MLK's influence on my life. Um, I think he drew a perfect roadmap for social justice. And so I'll speak when needed on the behalf of... Uh, my oppressed brothers and sisters. Um, And those who don't conform to any gender identity. Um, Siblings. Thank you. Language is a strange thing. Um... So I wasn't. I, I was going to read the Beatitudes, which I just did, and I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet today. But we'll see how that works. Um, I'm going to jump over to um, 21 because I think this is important. And it says, "You have heard." I'm going to do some cherry picking of the Beatitudes. You have heard that it was said that those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister or a sibling, you will be liable to judgment. If you insult someone, you will be liable to the council, and if you say you fool, you will be liable to to the hell, I like that, the hell, um, of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first and reconcile to them. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with them. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. But what's interesting here is Jesus saying, What's more important than your sacrifice is that you have peace with your enemy, that you make peace with those who harm you. And that is a tough thing to do. You know, I can preach grace all day, 
and show it to a lot of people, but then when it gets really personal and you know, I go through a divorce, all of a sudden it's like I, I found an asterisk, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't have to show the grace and love and the forgiveness here, you know. Um, I'll be a little graceful, but, you know, forgiveness, you know, I don't know. Um, but but forgiveness is is what we're called to forgiving the other person and everyone has another everyone has another you may be another but guess what you have another I'll get a little bit more into that in a minute so we're going to jump all the way over to 7, Matthew 7. Oh, wait. Nope. We're jumping back because I forgot to read another part. 38, Matthew five thirty-eight. You have heard that it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you... Now, this is Jesus is radically changing the law. So when people say... Now, if, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God or Jesus is God incarnate and you believe that and then you say that God doesn't change God's mind, <laughs> um, there's two things of looking at it. Either Jesus came to say, hey, that whole idea of the fire and brimstone thing, you really missed the boat on that one. The whole smiting and you know Isaac sacrificing his son and all that kind of stuff you may have we, we we may you may have misunderstood that um he's changing things there's interesting evolution in the bible of inclusion that happens paul even takes it to another level and most people aren't digging paul because a lot of pastoral epistles if you think about those but I will tell you straight out, as a armchair theologian, that the pastoral epistles should be ripped out of the Bible. They're forgeries. They are not written by Paul. Um, I've read a lot of long and boring books about the pastoral epistles because I could not figure out why Paul spends so much time tearing down hierarchy in Galatians and then all of a sudden rebuilds it. You know, one of my friends was like, well, he just got older and, you know, wiser and, you know, a little more crotchety when he got old. You know, I'm like, really? So he just decided the whole no male, female, Jew, no Gentile, slave or free, you know, that whole thing. Just, oh, never mind that. Um, those, they can, you know, I, I was at a, at a, at a, at a seminary, um, Princeton Seminary, and having a conversation I, with a group of theologians, and they said, "Don't you think there's something redeemable about those pastoral epistles?" And you know, and, and I said, "No, I don't. Sorry. You know, I, I, there. I mean, there's some good things in those books. There's some good verses that you can." 
pick and read and they're nice and sometimes I see them in books of writers that I like but I'm always like oh really you gotta go read with those books you know um, anyway I you've, you know so eye for an eye tooth for tooth remember that Martin Luther King said or, or Gandhi both have been attributed to saying an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind but I say to you do not resist an evildoer but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek turn the other also and if anyone wants to sue you and takes your coat give them your cloak as well and if anyone forces you to go a mile also go a second mile my friend Pete Rollins has a really good talk on that verse Um, Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. That's pretty wild, right? You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For and I don't like using that father image, to be honest with you. Um, for I'm going to just use God here. For God makes the sun rise and on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? Now remember, Jesus was really good friends with the tax collectors. So he wasn't completely dissing them. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector when Jesus came up and called him. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than any other? Do not even Gentiles do the same? So therefore, be perfect as your, as God is perfect. Now, going back to the salt and the light... This is where the salt is salty and the light is light, is when we forgive those who've hurt us, when we love our enemies. This is radical stuff. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where, really honestly, one of the reasons I hold on to the Christian tradition is because of this loving your enemies. You know, and unfortunately, often loving your enemies because people are like, oh, that's just pie in the sky, wishy washy stuff, you know. But often that, you know, it's not pie in the sky, wishy washy stuff. It often gets you killed when you love your enemies. I mean, Martin Luther King said the people, these people aren't our enemies, they're victims of misinformation. You know, we're just trying to liberate them as much as we're trying to liberate us. And in this world where we have Trump as president and the evangelicals doing saying crazy shit again, you know, it's it's do we see them as our enemies? Or do we see them as victims of misinformation 
Do we see people who need to be restored? Also, can we love people who are on a journey of transformation? People who are changing. Sometimes I think we have these ideals or impossible standards. In the Bible, Paul talks like, you know, don't crush each other with impossible standards. He talks about that, I think, in Galatians. And and sometimes us liberals have this idea that these people who are raised a certain way and their brain, even maybe even brainwashed, sometimes I wonder if I was brainwashed, and that's why I still do this. Um, but, you know, we expect them to just completely change. And be right on the same page with us. But there's people who I'm seeing who are having subtle changes and people who are slowly coming around. But I see a lot of my fellow liberal brothers and sisters and siblings saying, it's not enough. You don't belong here. You don't have a room, you don't have a place at the table. And I'm going, but they're they're evolving. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna stifle that evolution if we don't make room at the table. I think a perfect example of that is um, my friend Shane Claiborne. You know, he's got a lot of heat for not saying enough about LGBTQ rights. But I've had personal conversations with him. I've seen him evolve over time in the past 15 years. And I kept wondering, like, do we just shut him down? Do we ignore the work that he's doing against the death penalty? Do we ignore the work that he's doing against gun violence? Because he hasn't gotten to exactly where we want him to be yet. But I tell you what, I have a strong feeling he's getting there. If he's not already there. So do we make time for those folks as well? So it's not just about loving our enemies, but it's about loving those who are converting and having conversion experiences, which I know that can be a trigger word for a lot of people, but slowly changing and converting and repenting in a way to evolve. Remember in Galatians, which I've pounded into everybody's brain, you know, beware of biting and devouring one another. You may be consumed by each other. Matthew 7, I'm going to jump over there real quick. Um, This old charmer. Do not judge, 7-1, do not judge so that you may not be judged. With judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give, you will measure you get. Why do you see a speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not see 
but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say, neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye while the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will be able to clearly take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. When I hate my enemy, that hate is a log in my eye. So then when I see the moderate who's maybe changing and evolving, I can't see the speck. I mean, I, maybe all I see is a speck. I can't see anything else because I've got a log in my eye. So all I'm seeing is a speck and not seeing evolution happening, not seeing people change. I mean, I thank God for people like a Pastor Randy McCain from Open Door Community Church who would sit on the phone with me and we would go over the scriptures and we would talk about stuff about LGBTQ because I was like, you know, I, I want to be affirming, but I, I'm, I'm scared and I don't know. And what about this verse and what about that? This is back when I was a more of a literalist. Um, yeah, when I, yeah, I even believed the leather was genuine. Um, sorry, I stole that from... Tony Campolo. Um, but but I, I do believe that you can be a literalist and be affirming now because of that experience. But he was patient and talked with me. He spent hours on the phone with me. Invited me out to his church to come speak. And then I met Peggy Campolo and she sat down with me. You know, and an evolution happened, and I sat in that church, and I got up at that church, and I sat down and cried and said, I'm so sorry it's taken me this long to get to this point. But if it wasn't for people, and I had friends who weren't Christians at this coffee shop, a few of my lesbian friends, who would talk to me and sit down and see me studying and were patient with me and talk to me, and that's how I evolved. I wish I would have just woken up one day and been like, this is the right thing to do, you know? Or I just would have been born that way and been like, you know, oh, yeah, this is, this is a no-brainer, you know? But no, I was taught one way my whole life to think a certain way, and I had to break that. That's what I'm doing in therapy right now with dealing with my depression, you know, and going back and going like, yeah, my parents never celebrated anything nice, good I did. They only punished me when I did bad, and then everything else was just expected. You know, so now I don't, I'm never proud of myself when I change or when I'm starting to heal from my depression, from move on from my divorce, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm just like, no, I'm still kind of a piece of shit, you know. I can't do this. And my therapist is like, why can't you appreciate and enjoy the changes and the growth that you've made? Why can't you appreciate the evolution? Why can't you appreciate the conversion that's happening in your life right now? You know? So this is a tough, a tough thing, you know? And I think often about that verse about James, faith without works is dead. I think... A way to look at that 
is that when we don't love our enemies, when we aren't patient and kind with people and we don't give them a place at the table, our faith isn't, we're not going to hell. I don't believe in hell anyway, but we're not going to the bad place or you know, the faith you know, is not literally dead. You're just kind of a corpse that's just not producing anything for anyone else. You're a light under a bushel. You're just not, no one can see it. Because you're just keeping it all hidden. You're not allowing that love to show. And that's what I found is the powerful thing about this crazy collection of books, this library that sits in front of me that I read from mostly every Sunday is that if you have to go to something that's a trump card, forgive me for using that word, but if you have to find something that's a trump card, it's love. Boils down to love God with all your heart and equally as important, and I like that one, equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Who do I love when I love my God? the other and at that point it doesn't really matter if you're believing in God or not when you're loving the other because you've entered the kingdom of God through loving the other I'm passionate about this you guys I'm, I'm really really passionate about seeing people work together seeing people set free from a conservatism that would, you know, Caputo talks about, you know, if Jesus moved into a Christian right neighborhood, they would all move out because he was yucky and this and that and, you know, dark-skinned, Arab-looking yeah, I mean, they would have called him a terrorist. They would have been like, oh, this is strange. I, why is this person here and he's telling me to do this? What the hell? You know, telling me not to hold on to my money all the time? You know, what? <laughs> no thanks, buddy. Telling me to love who? You want me to love who? So I was thinking about my dad makes these Trump coins that everybody's all in. I haven't got any yet. I'm going to ask him for a few because I have some friends who have six sets of humors. Um, And I was thinking about it the other day in more of a radical theological way and thinking, damn it, maybe we do need those coins. Maybe we do need a reminder to send good vibes or thoughts or prayers or think about how can we see this person, human being, change. Maybe I do need a reminder. I don't pray a lot. Sometimes I pray in the shower when I'm really depressed and crying. Um... You know, 
I just I just decided to flip it on its head and go like, you know what? Maybe I need a reminder of how to love other people. That I, I my enemy, because that's my enemy. You know, maybe you can make one with Franklin Graham on it and Jerry Falwell Jr. and you know some of that stuff too. Cards, playing cards. We could have playing cards, and they could be love playing cards. And these are all the people that we're going to try to love and change. Now, I don't think any of us are going to sit down at the White House anytime soon, but hopefully you get the point. Um, Turn with me to the Gospel of St. Luke. Luke 10. Luke. <laughs> yes, I'm a big nerd. Um, Luke 10.25. Is it 10.25? Yeah. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, it's the funny thing is we're always looking for rewards, aren't we? But this is what Jesus said. He said, what was written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, now does this sound like any of us? (laughs) Let me just, just, I like the lawyer here. (laughs) I like people who get spunky with Jesus, you know? Because Jesus, when the the Samaritan woman at the table and was like asking for something, he's like, why would I give dogs scraps to the dogs? And she's like, even dogs, it comes from the table. And what happens is Jesus repents. Jesus goes, you're right. Your faith has made you whole. He goes, I was being closed-minded. So even Jesus has a moment of evolution. Holy shit, right? He's being a complete ass. Treating this person as an other, discriminating, and they go, hold on a second. Let me turn your Trump coin on its head. And he goes... You're right. And that's stuff people don't want to deal with and don't want to talk about and we don't like. I don't know if either side likes. But we keep using each other's scapegoats and keep calling each other names and writing each other off all the time. And, you know, it's not... Screw it. The world will just be a crappy place and it'll be Twitter. Just let the world be Twitter. You know? And we can all be pissed off. And we can let King's dream die. Is that what we want to do? I mean, Nelson Mandela, what amazing human being, comes president and keeps half the staff that were there when he was imprisoned. 
and says, I'm not going to hear, I'm not here to get revenge. I'm not going to change the soccer team's colors. I'm not going to do, no, we're going to redeem this. There's redemption here. It's just, we have to evolve together. We're all victims of this apartheid. We all play different roles, but we're all, we're victims in this. Now, this guy was in prison for, what, 35 years? Think about being a bit bitter and a bit angry. But says, no. There's a chance to change. I think maybe, I don't know so much about radical theology. I'm studying it, or pyrotheology. I'm trying to figure it out. But I think this might be a little bit part of what it looks like with feet. Sorry, you're not supposed to blow on the microphone. We'll edit that out. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how horrible this past year has been. I'll be honest right now, I'm kind of upset with my dad. I texted him about my divorce and he didn't say anything back. And it hurt like hell. I still love him. I have people te- Facebook me all the time to tell me what a piece of shit he is. I go, well, I love him. And let me give you this for a fact, is that I would not be doing any of the work I do if the foundation that my parents built in my life to love others wasn't there. They were both constantly reminded me to love other people. Always, no matter what. My dad's enemies, he would say, we have to forgive him. People who betrayed him and turned their backs on him, he'd have them over for dinner. And I would be like, dad, you're being an ass. This person treated you like shit. They turned on you. We have to forgive them, son. Yeah, he's selling buckets and in times food and loves Trump and is making weird coins and doing all that stuff, you know. But at the same time, he's still my dad. So I love him for that. He's the grandfather to my kids. And I'm starting to see him when I look in the mirror. <laughs> the grayer this beard gets. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> Go out and buy some just for men. <laughs> No play for Mr. Gray. Um, No, it's not because I'm trying to date women. It's because I look like my dad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I guess this is a long one. I'm sorry, everybody. I pre, you know, it is what it is. Um, How we treat the other. So Jesus is, 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 is saying, you know, all right, lawyer, this is what you do. But then the lawyer wants to justify it. And then he goes, who's my neighbor? You know, the lawyer should have just known to shut up. He was looking for a loophole. Um, I'm a co-parent, okay? I have to see my wife, my ex-wife, twice a week. And what we've both learned 
is just not to give too much information or ask for too much information. And then when we do, and then the other person reacts, we have to make the decision to go, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, I, I overstepped the boundary there. <laughs> you know, we have to choose wisely what we say. Um, in court, they tell you, I remember watching a video with my dad before he went to court, and it was always like, do not volunteer too much information. You know, <laughs> do not say, you know, when someone asks you, answer that question and don't add to it. This lawyer obviously did not watch that video, that sweet VHS video. Um, they probably had projectors back then, right? Um, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied to him, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away. We all know this mostly, of, well, I can't say we all know this story, but a lot of us know this story of the Good Samaritan. Went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, so let's just say a Christian, and saw him and passed by on the other side. Like, mm, no thanks, because this person is different. So likewise, a Levite who came by the place and saw him pass by the other side, let's just say he's uh, the liberal. He's going, oh, he's a, he's got a Make America Great Again hat on. I mean, yeah, he's beat pretty bad, but I'm not going to deal with that guy. Think about the fire you feel when you see one of those hats. You know what I mean? <laughs> so likewise, Levi came to the place and saw him passed on the other side, but a Samaritan while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, and usually the Samaritan is the other, okay? Usually this is the person who's seen as the other. A Samaritan, while traveling by, came by near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. So he goes, and the Samaritan looks at this man and goes, here's my enemy, here's the other, and they're in trouble, I've got to do something. He went and poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him in the inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which in those three do you think was the neighbor of the robbers? He said to the one who showed him, he said, to the lawyer. And the one goes, the one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now it's very, I've heard this is very particular reason, the reason he goes, the one who showed him mercy rather than the Samaritan, because he didn't like Samaritans. So he didn't go, oh, the Samaritan. Yeah, yeah. There's a really funny um, skit by the guys who do Peep Show, the English comedians, Mitchell and Webb, <laughs> on the Good Samaritan, and Jesus sits down to talk about the Good Samaritan, and they're going like, "Jesus, what do you mean by Good Samaritan?" You know, like, and asking why Jesus was being prejudiced against Samaritans. It's really funny. So if you can YouTube it, it's worth your while. It's 
you know, out of context, obviously, but hilarious. Um, Pete showed it to me and got a kick out of it. And if you've never seen the show Peep Show, just find it and watch it because those guys are the most hilarious people in the world. Um, John Caputo says, in the story of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan is the placeholder for the other. book I'm reading from, Hoping Against Hope. The one who hails from another part of town or the country or the world or another color, gender, ethnic origin, religious belief, or no religious belief. So if it's the conservative Christian walking by, maybe it's the atheist. If it's me walking by, maybe it's a neo-Calvinist, <laughs> which I don't know if they really exist anymore. Um, they do, yeah. They're just their leaders have gone quiet. Um, maybe I don't know. I just, maybe I just stopped following them. My enemies have just stopped caring about me. I think I've gone too far off the rails. Um, maybe it's Franklin Graham. Maybe it's Jim Baker. holding on to a Trump coin. Because right now, I'm talking, that's our other. Our other are these people who seem like bastards. We used to have a thing that says, Christians were sorry for being self-righteous, arrogant bastards. And someone was like, why would you say that? Why would you call bastards? But I would said, always said, well, well, bastards, you know, the idea behind that is that we're not acting as though we're children of God. So when we're being rude, arrogant stuff, we're just not acting that way. There's people who don't believe. There are atheists and agnostics and everything who do a much better job than any of us at that. And we're, I'm sorry that we haven't kept up to what we were supposed to do. That was the idea. It was to be a confession. We are asked to live by a conversion of standards. Standards that change. We are last to love the other, take care of the other, go out of our way for the other. There's one more thing I wanted to read by Caputo. Let me see. This is what he said about the Sermon on the Mount, just to jump back. The kingdom of God that Jesus describes on the Sermon of the Mount is arguably the most audacious document any of us will ever read. It is a perfect scandal to the good sense of the world and the centerpiece of religion modeled after the mysticism of the rose, which is a story he tells earlier. Just because it calls for unconditional hospitality, returning those who hate you with love. Now, listen, this idea of hospitality, it's like having a party... It's not, it's not like we have parties and we invite people. Everyone's invited, not just the people we invited. You know, when you have, like, 
family gatherings and you're like, we're not going to invite Uncle Joe because he says some really crazy stuff, you know. Um, Just because it calls for unconditional hospitality, returning those who hate you with love and those who offend you with forgiveness, offering love. Now, this is a radical theologian. Offering love not to those who love us back, but who do not. Do you know how hard that is? You take the high road and then you get trampled on. Avoid toxic people and create safe spaces. And you need to do that at times, desperately. But my hope is is that we're able to heal in those spots so eventually we can help heal the toxic people. That, That we can change toxicity. So we can do a reformation. Not one that kills people, but one that loves people. Love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend, what Martin Luther King Jr. said. I'm going to continue to read from Caputo here. Forgiving not those that beg for forgiveness and make amends on the condition of forgiveness, that's what amends are, but those who get in our face, loving and forgiving without conditions, without anything up our sleeve, without why. Now, this is someone who radically does not believe in a lot of what the Bible says. Is a radical, radical, radical theologian. Um, and is saying this is what's radical about the Sermon on the Mount. Do you know how badly I want certain people in my life to ask me to for, ask me for forgiveness? How desperately I, that would make my heart heal. How much peace it would give me. There are people in my life that I would just do anything for them to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. But that's not what this is talking about. This is saying, I'm going to forgive you even if you don't forgive me. If there's a good reason to reject religion, this is it right here. Go live your life. Screw them. Screw your enemies. If you really want to really want to get this Jesus dude out of here and all that shit, just say go on get online. Let's just go after the conservatives and call them idiots and all these other words and, and, and just discount them, tear them apart. Let's, you know, tell our ex-wives we never want to see him again. Drop the kids off at the door and call me. I'll come get them, but make sure you're in the car. That's, that's it. If we, let's, we, you know, let's throw it out. I've thrown a lot of stuff out. I've had a rummage sale. As, um, who was it who used to talk about the rummage cell that happens every 500 years in the church? She is uh, passed away. Um, oh, gosh. No, not Rachel Held Evans. Um, 
older. Why can't I remember her name right now? She's very big in the emergent church. And right now I can't remember her name, and I'm going to get 100 emails. Phyllis Tickle. Phyllis Tickle. She talked about having a rummage sale, and I'm having a rummage sale. She also went to the Smitten Kitten with me once. And we took a tour with a bunch of other pastors that had no more jobs left and had them give us a tour and tell us why what they did was so important. It was really actually pretty awesome. And some of the pastors that were at this event stayed in the car. And I looked back at them and I said, I looked with the people we were at and I said, you know the difference between all of us and them is that they still have careers. (laughs) You know? We don't have anything to lose anymore. So, can we give unconditional forgiveness? Can we be loving and forgiving without conditions, without anything up our sleeve, and without why? That's the question I have for you today. Can we stop scapegoating one another? Or is it just all, is this just me being naive? I mean, there's seven people sitting in this room right now. I don't know how many people are listening online. Caleb can tell me later. He knows those stats, but a lot. That's it's, it's good. I mean, no, I, the, you online listeners, thank you so much because you have kept this church alive through thick and thin. But um, but it can. It, it seems like I feel like we're a mustard seed. You know, and maybe full of all sorts of false hopes. And, uh, but this is what's on my heart. This is what's pushing me now and what's waking me up in the morning and, 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 you know, even my radical theologians are, 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 are pushing me to love my enemies. I mean, there's a problem here. I was going on to another theology. I'm trying to move on to different ideas where it's like, you know, less godly stuff and less heavenly stuff and less angel stuff and less hellfire and brimstone stuff. And, you know, and then, you know, now they're saying, oh, yeah, well, but you still got to love. You get rid of all that stuff, but it's still about loving and forgiving your enemies. That's still part of it. Damn it. That part hurts. That's a struggle. So, that's our service today. Thanks for listening. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate 
You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. A post-Christian production.